Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Welcome today, listeners. Uh, Today's episode is Stronger Through the Fire, and we're going to be talking about increased resilience through times of crisis. And I can think of no one better than Chris and Rebecca. I can't think of any anyone better to speak to this. They're, you guys are way overqualified to be speaking about stronger through the fire. But really, we just would like to hear a little bit of what, first of all, what compelled you to go where you went in the first place? Well, Chris and I both really had given our lives to the Lord and our hearts in just saying, hey, whatever you want, God, whatever dream, if you've got a dream on your heart that um, you want to give to us, kind of like a gift, we want to do it. We want to say yes to whatever the dream is. And so that's what he did. It was a mantra of, of the movement back in those days was, you know, Lord, dream your dreams through me. And it was, I, I think for us, it was a really a season of seeking God, of saying, you know, hey, our hearts for the nations. Mm-hmm. We did all these half-night prayer, prayer times yeah. and, you know, all these uh, just 30-day praying for the Muslim world mm-hmm. and, you know, just different things that we would do over the years. But then when it came time for us to say, you know, what is it for us? It was a re- time of really seeking God and going to the prayer room and and getting things that we felt like were from God that got confirmed by others that eventually launched us out to the Middle East. But I I think one of the things, too, was we didn't just get, it wasn't just like one day woke up, we, oh, yeah, I I heard God say, go to the Middle East, and then we went. But it was a process of really, of months and really even years of digging into, God, what's the place that you have for us in that what's the calling that you have for us and and then being really committed to that calling yeah I remember just real quick a fun story when before we even got married I mean we we got married under the understanding that we would go wherever God sent us and we knew that that would probably be somewhere crazy overseas um, and so, I mean, Chris proposed at Latham Springs during mandate. And so we were like... The prayer for the nation's garden. You know, I didn't, yeah. 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 I didn't know that. So from the start, you know. Um, but uh, during that season of engagement, I went with my parents over to, um, to Israel. And we went on a tour up onto the Temple Mount there in Jerusalem. And it was my first time to really see... Um, Palestinian women just sitting together. They were sharing, you know, their food together. And I just longed to be a part of them and just I wanted to go and sit with them. And uh, we went, this was back in the time where you could still go into the mosque. And so I took one step into the mosque there and immediately it was overwhelmed mm. with the Holy Spirit and mm. and just wet, started weeping and really just overwhelmed. Uh, I went over 
to the side, uh, the women's side where they were praying, and I just got, I just fell on my face because uh, just feeling so um, overpowered with that emotion, and uh, I eventually got up, and as I was turning to come like back out of the mosque, uh, I felt like the Lord said that I needed to respond in some way. And so I just threw both arms. I didn't even care who was around me. I just threw both arms up in the air. I said, okay, God, whatever it is, I receive it. And I uh, continued to walk out of the mosque there. And my mom was with me and she took me by the hands and she said, Rebecca, you've been invited. And um, hmm. it was just, you know, not too long after that where I was able to be in that same area with a group of women and I was able to share that story with one of my friends mm-hmm. and uh, you know we really did get invited and so I, I like to think about it like that like we were invited into this big huge dream that God had for a people and for a place and um, and we just said yes you know when we received that invitation we just said yes with our whole hearts so mm-hmm just kind of went all in. So not not everyone has to have such a definitive call or invitation as you did. And you mentioned calling earlier, but mm-hmm. uh, calling is huge for y'all. And we're talking today about, you know, growing stronger even through the fires. And we're going to kind of move towards those couple of those fires or however many you choose to talk <laughs> about. But uh, yeah, just this whole thing of calling sounds so pivotal uh, not just an emotion of what happened yeah. when you were in the mosque that day, but a I, deep sense of call. I have to say, I mean, for us, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was word after word. I mean, we would we had journals mm-hmm. that were full, and some of them, some of the things were more dramatic. You know, I, Rebecca had that experience, and then I remember another dream that she had that was a very dramatic dream that was very confirming some of them were just, you know, I'm just reading the scripture and stuff mm-hmm. just comes Highlights. off the page. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's God. But we developed a history of those things being confirmed by different people speaking them. And then I think that the most important thing for you talking about the resilience piece is a deep conviction that when God calls you to something, that it's an invitation to hang on with him all the way through it. Right. Um, that uh, he's not playing hide and seek, that there's not some like, oh, let me kind of, you know, take you in a little bit and then, you know, everything's going to blow up and look different. And, you know, I, obviously there are times where there are left turns and right turns and following the, the will of God, but, but, there was just a sense that we needed to stick with the thing God had called us to. And it was specific enough in our hearts that uh, we had something to war with when it, when it got hard. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't that specific, if it were just a general, oh, we're going to go to the Middle East or whatever like that, then it would have been very easy the first time we went to the Middle East and then things got hard. Okay, I've been there, done that. Now let's move on to the next right. thing of life. But there was a deep sense. We even formed it into a mission statement before we left that um, that God had called us to uh, to see a, 
a nationally led reproducing movement among Arabs that would impact the Arabic speaking Muslim world. I mean, it was that yeah. specific. And that was at a time before people were talking about church planning movements. We didn't know anything about those. And so for us to have that specific a calling in our hearts that that we could kind of hang our hat on, mm-hmm. um, that was that was what I'd go back to in the years later when it's whether it's just the mundane of waking up every day and looking out over the city and seeking God and like, God, when is anything ever going to happen? Or the really hard days where there were very negative things coming against us. There were things I could hold on to because we had gotten those things with God in the, in the, the secret place before we even left. Right. So I can imagine that, uh, some people who who are resilient and they've been on the field for a long time, they may not have that specific of before we ever went, we got all of this clarity of calling. But I think somewhere along the way, I guess I'm being a bit leading in my question here, but somewhere <laughs> along the way, uh, it sounds like to make it for a longer haul, you've got to be coming back to something that's so crystal clear. And maybe it gets clarified through a through a term or even, you know, longer. But, and I yeah. think you need to, to allow the Lord to clarify it, you know. Um, I mean, the first place we went, we we had to give up. I mean, we, we, we went to one city and invested deeply, lived through a lot of turmoil and war, and our team experienced great loss. And, I mean, it was, it was definitely one of those fiery trials. <laughs> I mean, um, but... Honestly, one of the hardest things in our journey was having to let that go and then allowing the Lord to define the dream and an end and what the, what the journey, what the path was going to look like, where to us, it looked like, oh, it's in this location with these people. Uh, and then later it was, well, God, okay, this is where we're at now. What are you saying? And um, just allowing him to be God and redefine stuff along the way, you know, what yeah, it looked like. Yeah, redefine. Mm-hmm. Calling clear, mm-hmm. redefinition along the way. Mm-hmm. And but then, the movement piece that you said was still at the backbone of it, you know, mm-hmm. reproducing movement among Arab, Arab mm-hmm. people. So you stayed, you we stayed knew what in we were that region. For. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and we knew we hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. That's good. So there was a, this dream and something that God wanted that we hadn't seen yet. And so it was just b- continuing to believe for the impossible, you know, no matter what we saw. There's, there's something that that's, um, when you're seeking God for something, for a promise, there's this uncomfortable not yet that you kind of have to walk through. And if you go in expecting like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm going to, show up and all these great things are going to happen. And, you know, if you go in with those kind of expectations, maybe you've read a few good books or you've heard some, you know, stories or whatever, and your faith stirred and you step in, there's, there's always a gap between the promise and the fulfillment. That's this uncomfortable middle. And I I tell people it's always harder than you thought it was going to be. It's always going to take more suffering it's going to cost you more than you imagined, but it's worth it to hang on for the promise of God in that gap. Because we end up being changed 
You know, we said that so many times the first, especially those first few years. We, you know, the, the city was in turmoil where we were. Um, there was uh, war, I mean, violence happening out in the street. So we spent a lot of time just in our apartment. A lot of time praying. <laughs> a lot of time praying uh, as a team. And, and we would just look at each other and say that we think that God's changing us in this as much as we're praying for change to happen in the city mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with the people we really acknowledged how much we were changing and being formed you know what would be some of the or one of those things that changed like was it a mindset or was it a something a little bit more intangible um the, those first years when we were in the middle of the war situation and such um, I really was stressing about it a lot because uh, I was feeling, you know, here I am, I'm, I'm a dad, a husband, you know, young kids, I'm leading a team, another family. They had gone, they had lost a child on the field, mm-hmm. and there was just so much just tearing at us, um, so many different directions, and just the anxiety that that I felt those were the early years though of learning how to listen to God and and meet him mm-hmm. um I remember one particular day um I I walked into our living room and just laid out on my tile floor face down on the floor and I was just I was a mess internally I was just so wrought with anxiety and I mean there was there were bombs going off outside and things blowing up and you could hear it in the background. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and I'm like, what in the world have I led my family and my team into? And I'm just laying out on the floor and crying out to God. And I, it sounds funny to say it now, but I was just repenting for anxiety. I was like, God, you've told us, you told us be anxious for nothing. And here I am... I, I I just I can't get over it. I, I'm hearing all this stuff going on and I'm just terrified inside. And as clear as day, just in my mind, all of a sudden I could see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'll never forget it because I could just see him bent over in prayer and and you know, you've probably heard about the the blood coming off of his forehead and the the you know, medical doctors will tell you it's that's what happens in extreme stress, where the capillaries will actually break in in your uh, uh, in your forehead, and and you bleed out your sweat glands. And so I'm seeing this in my mind's eye, and I just heard him so clearly say to me, "said See, I was anxious too. Mm. It's okay." And it was a wow. I could see him going to the Father in the midst of his anxiety, mm-hmm. and here I was going to him in, in my anxiety. and So that it was a place of change for us. I, I can't say I changed overnight. I still struggled with anxiety, um, but, um, but I learned how to take it to God step by step. Mm-hmm. That's, that's huge right there, like what, he's, what he did in you. And Rebecca will last mm-hmm. a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So you've already referred once to your to once or twice to your family, once or twice to your team. So 
Take us a little deeper into that. You, It's one thing for you guys back at Latham Springs and wherever else, <laughs> just getting this, you know, confirmed calling and this, this, the solidness of it, everything. And then you not only uh, bring your children there, but you invite another family to join you. And so what are just some of the, the things that as you went through fiery trials and your children were with you, your team was with you, you know, what are some keys that you found to being able to not just kind of, you know, bail out and say, we just, we counted the cost, but we didn't count it for them. Did you? You know, how did that work? <laughs> it's not like, easy. Yeah. It, the bottom line is it's not easy. Uh, it's hard to watch your kids suffer. And, you know, there's plenty to be afraid about, you know. Um but I think for me, especially in those early years, um, I had such a passion for where we were that it, it just carried me, you know? And I met Jesus so deeply in that place that I just, I just mothered in it, you know, I just mothered the kids in that. And, um, I mean, I, we had two kids in those early years on, like, while we were there in the midst of, I mean, uh, Elijah was born brought the just before, before <laughs> just before the craziness started. And then Anna was born in the middle of it and right before we were kicked out. And so we actually left when she was a week and a half old. So it was crazy. I mean, in fact, when I, just to be completely vulnerable, um, <laughs> when I found out I was pregnant the fourth time with Anna, I, uh, I cried because I thought, God, what in the world are you thinking of me having a baby in the middle of all this, you know, violence and upheaval and, and but, you know, my kids to this day will look at you and tell you how um, proud they are how proud they are of their birthplace and their um those early years of they watching us give everything um laying down our lives for for people that you know don't look like us don't talk like us um it's it's changed who they are it's it's crafted them into Mm -hmm. the people they are today Mm -hmm. and so I wouldn't trade it. They wouldn't trade it. And yes, it was hard. Yes, there are wounds that go deep. Um, I mean, we have, some of our kids have had um, just long-lasting effects, trauma effects from those early days. And, but, you know, they get to meet God in those places, just like Chris was on the floor, you know, meeting God and his anxiety. Our kids get to meet God in those places. So as long as, like we're modeling that for them. We're inviting them into that. We're not trying to shelter them away from it, but we're we're saying, yeah, let's meet God together in this scary place. And so, you know, that's what we saw them doing. So in those early years, I mean, we saw them run to God. We saw them, you know, one time we were trying to evacuate and the we were supposed to the curfew was supposed to be lifted and instead you've got Apache helicopters flying in and I mean and tanks rolling down the street and we uh were just I was standing out waiting for Chris to come back with a van to get us all out of the city and 
we're just standing there and there's all our bags and, and all this crazy commotion going on in the city. And uh, one of ours looks at us, looks at me and says, what do I do? What do I do? I said, pray. And, and so he just throws his face up against the wall and covers, you know, the sides of his face and, and just focuses in and starts yelling mm-hmm. at the wall. It's like, God, deliver us. Mm-hmm. God, you know it's right. You know, God, and, and it was just his heart cry just went out to God. And I, I mean, it was just, I'll never forget it. Like even describing it, I can feel what it was like, mm-hmm. you know, and he met God right there. And yeah, there's stuff that they have to work out, you know, throughout the, we all have stuff, you know, wherever we live, whatever we're doing, if we're, if we're fully giving ourselves to this life that God's given us, then there are going to be things that hurt, you know, and those things create opportunity to meet God and our kids have done that. Um, so one, uh, one little thing I'll say here, just, I was thinking through the, um, just team in that time. Um, you know, we were there with uh, with one other couple, Mike and Kara, and I mean, it was it was a tough season. I remember our first um, the first part of the season. We are, we were in a prayer time together, and uh, right at the beginning of what would get much harder, and we hear this sound. It sounded like a train come through the middle of the living room. And the whole place was just shaking. That, and then it was followed by this huge explosion. Uh, I always laugh and I say, yeah. And so Micah and I and our great intelligence <laughs> ran outside the house to see what was going on. And uh, a uh, basically an uh, Apache helicopter had just uh, tried to take out a, uh, a militant person, missed him, killed somebody else in the process. Uh, but it was right in front of their apartment building that we were praying in. And so those were the kind of, you know, stressful events <laughs> yeah. that we were going through. And it was one after another, just different things for months on end, culminating in this this time that Rebecca was describing of just evacuation. But we had every step of the way, we saw God together. Right. There, there was never a, hey, this is what we're doing. You it wasn't know. Chris saying, we're going to do this, just yeah. listen to me. I was going to mm-hmm. ask you about this. Practically yeah. speaking, yeah. what was happening in the midst of the fire that helped, you know, that you led your team well, and so family well? In the, <laughs> it really kind of came down to one particular day, I got a phone call from the U.S. Embassy, and they said, well, hey, basically, you know, here in the next few hours or next couple of days, I guess it was, the uh, the Israelis are going to uh, invade basically this area and uh, take air, take over the area, um, and you so you have this opportunity to leave now, and I don't know what I mean. Something rose up inside of me, and I asked them. I said, "So is this an order or is this a suggestion?" And the person was like. Um, <laughs> I can't tell you what to do, but I think you're nuts if you don't get out now. And so uh, I took that. We went back to our team, and we just sat down together. And I said, hey, this is what they're saying. And, I mean, I think as the four of us were sitting there, all four of us had the full expectation, we're out of here. Because we'd already lived through so much. We had already gone through one evacuation, and we'd already lived through these you know, big bomb experiences. Like, I mean, we'd already done the deal, 
you know, yeah. enough to where people would be like, good job, yeah. guys. Yeah. Y'all really persevered, right. you know? So we were kind of done. <laughs> right. We were ready to get out. And we, you know, we pick up the guitar and we just start praying and worshiping and seeking God. And then we went around the room. What's God saying? And all four of us basically had some variation of the same word of stand with the people. And mm-hmm. we went, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. So, you know, we, we hunkered down and anyway, it went through several more months of, of hardship and struggle before we ended up literally being ordered to, you know, to leave. They told us they'd arrest us if they found us in the city. So we were ordered to leave at that point. But leading up... that stinks. (laughs) (laughs) Once you've said yes and you you live through it, you know, and then you're asked to leave and you're like, are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. After we just... Sacrifice. I guess you could have gotten arrested then because you later got arrested elsewhere. Yeah, so. well, that wasn't our goal. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. So in the in the midst of this this one particular day that she was describing, where one of our kids face in the in the wall crying out to God, you know, standing there, our, our teammates look at look at me and say, "Is this the right move, or should we be trying to evacuate right now?" And I was able to, at that moment, be able to go, guys, every other time, it is a discussion. Right now, I just need you to follow me. And so Mm -hmm. much grace, and they just went, okay, we're in. And because we had built up, I think, a history of making those decisions together, there was grace at the moment where we just needed to be able to go, okay, we need to do this, and, and we could all move as one, as a team. It worked out. It wasn't the easiest evacuation. No, it wasn't. Um, but it worked out, and, and God got us out. And then trying to figure out the next phase of what do we do now, after that, we did the same thing. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of different needs on the table from, from different team members at that point. And we didn't go in with the assumption that we're all going to do the same thing, but we went in with the with the expectation that God was going to speak to all of us. And so we went through a, a facilitated time of hearing God and re-upping and moving to a new city and, you know, a new, new work, um, same people groups and such, but... But it was it was a lot of, of just teamwork, of working together and hearing God together. Mm. Wow. What would be something that the older yous, I'm not saying you're old, but the older oh, right. yous <laughs> wish that <laughs> you could tell the younger yous? yous? As a family, we had a motto, um, still do. <laughs> the, the motto was uh, McBride's never give up. And uh, so I, I guess that works well for the resiliency podcast here. <laughs> um, we, we never give up. And yet, I think the older me would tell the younger me that gutting it up is not the same as, you know, thriving. Mm. And That's a good word. I, there was a lot in me that. You know, I have a higher, at least a higher emotional pain tolerance. And Stubborn, so... Stubbornness. Yeah, it's stubbornness. 
She tells me that all the time. No, uh, he tells me. <laughs> and so that that can work in our favor in the sense that we can be we can hold on to what God's saying and not keep mm-hmm. revisiting over and over and over again. Oh, it's just that that kills you. If if the word of the Lord's constantly in question, yeah. it will it'll eat your lunch every time. Yes. So we, that we didn't that didn't happen for us so much. But what did eat my lunch over and over again was a just a stubborn, I'm going to gut it up in the face of pain um, instead of being able, of, I, I just didn't even know how to take my pain to God yeah. at that point. And that's something I think we've learned over the years. We've We've learned how to really meet God in pain um, instead of just gutting it up in the face of pain uh, for God. Mm. I, that that was more the mentality is I gut it up in the face of pain for God. That's how I honor God instead of actually finding a way to meet him in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Wow. Did you catch that? Meeting God in the pain instead of gutting it out for God. That is such a good word. And Chris and Rebecca have so much more to share. that Steve and I felt that this interview couldn't be edited down to just 30 minutes. So we're going to pick up where we left off with Chris and Rebecca in the next episode of Resiliency. Well, friends, that's it for this week's episode. You've been listening to Resiliency. This episode has been produced by me, Silas West, with help from my co-host, Steve Finley. We are so grateful for the generosity of our guests for coming on the podcast today. We also want to give a big shout out to the band Honest Men, who wrote and performed the music in our intro and outro. Special thanks for the voice talent of Sarah Neely, who introduced us at the beginning of the episode. If you liked what you heard, encourage your friends to subscribe and tune in in two weeks from now for the next episode of Resiliency. Resiliency.